Would you open your Bible tonight to First uh, Samuel chapter twenty two? And we're going to finish, Lord willing, our thought that we started this morning. We had a good crowd this morning. We had several visitors. We appreciate that. And uh, I feel like everybody here tonight's pretty much home folk. Appreciate that. And uh, tonight, after service, we want to have a camp prayer. So I would like to invite all of you to come around the altar tonight after the service, and let's just pray specifically for the camp, all the children, the teens, and the workers tomorrow. And throughout the week, uh, pray for safety, and also, though, that God will work in hearts. And First uh, Samuel chapter 22, uh, let's begin reading with verse number 1. This, of course, I'm going to try not to belabor the point, but I... I feel like repetition, the Bible tells us that repeating things is safe. And uh, we also know in education that repetition is the mother of all learning. We sometimes get tired of hearing the same things. One of the reasons why is because we, we want to hear something new. But the things that's going to help us, the things we don't, that we know that we're not doing. And, uh, but I want to remind you, really, as I've been preaching through the life of David, I've learned so much. One of the things that I've learned is I believe the key was chapter 20 when David was at wit's end. And when we get to wit's end, we have a choice to make. We're either going to turn to the Lord or we're going to turn to our own selves. And he allowed his feelings and his uh, flesh, his fear, dictate him all the way through chapter 20, all the way through chapter 21. So now in chapter 22, we realize he's coming He's been at the bottom. Uh, the very last passage in chapter 21, he just went to the, the enemy's land and was trying to seek refuge among the enemy. So he acts like he's a madman. He starts to spit on his beard. He's scrabbling on the door like a madman. I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly with you, but someone that uh, has mental problems, those are some of the things that you'll see. And he was acting that way. And the Bible says that they still kicked him out of the land. So right now is exactly what we're looking at. He's just left the land of the Philistines. And we find him in verse 1. David therefore departed thence and departed and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone <laughs> that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. And David went thence to Mizpah and Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart and get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Harab. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us tonight. Use your word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see, I just simply mentioned, I've entitled this message, On the Way Up from the Bottom. David, no doubt, is on his way up from the bottom. And we see some signs here 
uh, some symbols, some reasons why to be believed that he was coming up from the bottom. First of all, I read to you this morning uh, Psalm 34. And if you look at the title of that psalm, we know exactly that that, is, that was David's own writing under the inspiration of God during the time that he was struggling after he had changed his appearance, acted like a madman and got kicked out of the country of Gath. And so we learned that there was heart work, personal heart work that was taking place in David's life. And we know that uh, we know that he was at the bottom, but I do believe, no doubt about it, there was some real heart work and repentance taking place in the heart of David. And uh, David had reached the bottom, and I believe he was on his way up, but the story's not over. In chapter 22, we still are going to find him running and hiding for the next chapter or two. And so we understand that while he's kind of... Uh, on the way up from the bottom, what are some things? And you know, I want you to know something. The Bible is perfect. And here's what's amazing. Why would the Lord reveal this little bit of information that when he went to this cave that all of his brethren and all of his father's house heard it and went to him? I think that's interesting. I think that's interesting that God wanted us to know that information. And I said to you this morning, when you're on the way up from the bottom, family encouragement is needed. Not only your personal family, your physical family, your biological family, but in some cases, people don't have family, so that's why their church family is so important. And so if you, did, if you missed that this morning, you need to listen to it. I won't belabor the point, but I talked about how important it is to maintain family relationships and that we must be spiritual when we're dealing with someone that's been at the bottom and they're coming back up. We need to have wisdom. We need to have love. And so family encouragement's needed. And then I talked to you just quickly this morning that not only that in verse 2, and I'm only taking only what's given to us in these first five verses. Number two, and here's what's amazing, everyone that's in distress, everyone that was in debt, every troublemaker, every person in debt, all of these hoodlums came to be with David. Now this is not a group of people that you would pick out of society and say, hey, they're going to be the band that I'd like to lead. But this is who God gave David. And again, I believe that this is another picture, another reason why we believe that David's coming up from the bottom. Because he was an example and led those who God entrusted to him. He didn't handpick these men, they handpicked him. God led them to David. And, they, and by the way, God knew what David had just finished doing. God knew David had just acted like a wild man at Gath. He knew that he had just lied to the man of God twice. He knew that David was running from Saul and he knew that David took the showbread and he also knows that David asked for the sword and took the sword Then when he felt that he needed, and it's awful funny, when he went in chapter 18 to fight Goliath, he went with nothing. God knew where David was coming from, but yet God allowed still people to be in his life for him to leave. The Bible said he was captain over them. So he had to be an example. By the way, I believe this is the whole reason why God gave us this information is because we know that David was changing. 
David was loving the Lord. David was starting to get back with the Lord. And we know that because Psalm 34, he says, you come with me and I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. See, he's the same man that said, hey, I can teach you about being afraid of men. I was afraid of Saul when I got that arrow sign and I was scared to death and I left there and I ran to go to the priest and he asked me what I was doing and I was so scared I lied to him. And then I was so hungry, disheveled. I said, man, you got anything to eat? I'm going to die here. He's the same man that had just behaved himself wisely. Yet his feelings of fear and his fear of men had overtaken his fear of God. So in Psalm 34, he says, look boys, I want to show you there's a difference between living in the flesh and there's a difference by living fearing the Lord. And his example started to change and David changed. And as he changed, by the way, his men changed. And once again, he started to walk with God. And it helped his men to realize, hey, this man might not be perfect, but I'm going to tell you right one now, he responds well. And so we see that I think it's interesting that he sent every troublemaker, every crook, every hoodlum to David. Made him captain. Here's what's amazing, and here's what I want to say, and I think all of you hopefully will say, praise God or amen. You know what that means to me? Even seeing these hoodlums, by the way, they're going to become the mighty men of David. I mean, some of the greatest warriors in the history of mankind. Honored the Lord, honored their king. You know, a few of them loved their king so much, he was just daydreaming one day. David was just daydreaming. Y'all ever do that? You just look back in the back of your life and think, man, man, I had it made when I was a kid. Oh, to be on the banks of the new river just one more time. Stick my feet in there. Catch a big small mouth out of it. I mean, look, I can daydream. And by the way, say, is that scripture, Pastor? Yes, it is. David did the same thing. He was just daydreaming one day and say, oh, to be able to drink from the well at Bethlehem just one more time. And his soldiers, a few of his men heard it. Well, he certainly didn't want that water. He was just daydreaming. But do you know those men risked their lives and went and got him and drew him some water out of that well just because he wanted it? That's the kind of men that is now gathered up around him. They honored the Lord. They honored their king. Why? Because I believe it all started with David. He started to be an example and lead those who God had entrusted to him. He said he was going to be the captain over them. And here's the thing. Praise God on the 400 men and praise God on David. Here's what I learned from this little passage of scripture. That God made him captain over these hoodlums on both sides. Praise God our failures are not final. On both sides. David had failed, yet he's the captain. Plus all these men were in debt. They were hoodlums, no doubt. They were not pillars of society. But God still made somebody's out of nobody's. That gives us all hope. So we see as he's coming up from the bottom, we see that he was an example. Those who God entrusted to him, his family encouragement was needed. Number three. He took care of those that God entrusted him with. Now wait a minute. That seems like no big deal. Pastor, everybody knows you're supposed to do that. Oh, not David. Now yes, he was the same man that was there taking care of his father's sheep. And he was doing it. Everything that got him in trouble early in his life. He went to go. He obeyed his parents. His father told him to go feed his brethren. He was just obeying the authority. He also obeyed the authority of the Saul. Told him to come there and play the harp. And both of those things about got him in trouble. 
Because he went there to play the harp and Saul got so mad at him, he threw her, almost killed him. And then he went to go feed his brethren and he only did it because his dad asked. He did it out of honor and he was thinking about his parents. But wait a minute, something's changed. See, here's why I think this is important why God gave this to us in this passage of scripture. Is the reason I think is important to emphasize is because David, we're not seeing the unselfish David in chapter 20 and 21. We don't see a man that, be honest with you, David didn't care about anybody but himself. See, when we overcome, when we allow our feelings and our fear and our flesh, I'm going to tell you what will happen. It will make us selfish. We don't care about mom. We don't care about dad. We don't care about what our actions are doing. We don't care anybody in our life. We don't care. We're only thinking about ourselves. And David only thought about himself. By the way, you say, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, there's a lot of insight to that. Now, when he ran off and went to Elimelech to get, go there, Elimelech, the priest, asked him, he said, what are you doing here? He said, well, first of all, I'm here on a mission from the king. Well, he lied to the Elimelech. Then he said, I need something to eat. He said, all I have here is showbread. He said, have you, kept, have you and your men kept yourself from women? Well, David lied the second time because he didn't have no men with him. He was alone. Then after that, He asks for the sword. He gets the sword. And then he leaves. But before he left, the Bible, that's why I think the Bible's beautiful. It reveals that there was a man there by the name of Doeg. Now, the man Doeg was awful important. You ever notice, you ever went out to do something, and I'm just going to be honest with you, you ever notice that God loves you so much, sometimes you go out to do something wrong, and you can't do it wrong because somebody's there to see you? Well, for some reason, God just highlighted this right here. He said there was a servant of Saul there by Doeg. And really, David, nothing was said in chapter 21 about it. Nothing. But here's the reason why. David didn't care. He knew he was servant of Saul, but he did not care about any of the consequences that he was going to cause upon people that he loved. Now, just hold on a minute. I know now something's changing in the life of David because now the old David's coming back. He cared about his parents in such a way. He says, listen, this is too dangerous for you. I'm glad that you're here. But mom and dad, I love you. I want to make sure you're in a safe place. He started thinking of other people. And do you know why I know that he was selfish and he didn't care that he seen Doeg? I'm not going to read it. It'll break your heart. You can read it later. But from chapter 22, verse 6, all the way through, you're going to find that because what David did and went into the priest and went in and talked and got and lied, Doeg, Saul had Doeg slay all of his family, everyone there. 85 people lost their life. Only one man was able to get away, and his name was Abiathar. And we see him running to David at towards the end of this chapter. And I want you to focus in on something in chapter 22. Let's look at verse 22. Abiathar comes and tells David that all the priests are dead. Notice what David says. And David said unto Abiathar, I knew it that day. 
When Doeg the Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul, Notice this, church. I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. Do you understand how powerful that is? David not only didn't care at one time, he cares now, and he not only cares, he admits and he confesses that he was the reason why. Let me tell you something. When someone wants to come up out of the bottom and do the right thing, I'm going to tell you something right now. They're going to get honest. And they're going to be confessing what they've done. And they're going to ask for repentance. I want you to know something. He knew that day. He didn't care that day, but he cares now. He said he knew it. He said he knew it, but he left there knowing. And by the way, church, that's how sin does. You still know, but here's what sin does. Makes you not care. All you think about is yourself or your sinful lust or your own self-gratification. But we don't see the ramification of our sin. But David said, I see it now. See, I believe this is important. I believe, I believe this is why. Look, the way he responds is noteworthy here. I want you to look through the life of David. We're going to look through the life of David. But here's one of the things that I said years ago, even before I've studied his life like I am now. Do you know what set David apart from everybody else in the Bible? He met, y'all do know, we're going to look at it. He committed adultery. He went farther than that. He actually committed murder. He numbered people. He failed in not just little ways, big ways. I mean, Life-altering, life-changing ways. His baby died because of his sin. Eighty-five priests died because of his sin. We have this idea that all the people in the Bible, oh, they're different, they're super spiritual. No, they're not. They're sinners. Just like us. But here's the difference. The way he responded. Psalm 51. When David was found out about his sin, the prophet came, stuck the finger in his face. If you read that passage, and we will, the way he responded. David was a weak parent. David had some real struggles parenting his children. The Bible said that he treated one son, he would never tell him no. He spoiled the child. But yet every time when the chips were down, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. And I truly believe it's because of the way he responded. Let me say to you tonight, church, you're going to fail. That's not what's going to define you. What defines you is how you respond. And I'm going to tell you one thing. If you have failed to take care and to love the people that you should love and honor the people that you should honor and show them that you love them, then you have an opportunity to do it now. Don't let your past failures become your present and future failures. David could have sat in the mire and said, oh my goodness, look what I've done. All of these 85 priests are dead. I don't have a chance. But God said, no, wait a minute, son. If you respond properly, I'm going to give you a host of people that will follow you. I will make you a great king. You've got to respond right. 
Praise God, I know that David was coming up off of the bottom because I want you to know something. His reaction was noteworthy. It was honest. He couldn't change the past, but he could change. He could repent and he could be restored. And by the way, he was. And by the time this won't, this, by the way, this will not be the first nor the last that this will process will take place in David's life. You would think after 85 priests were killed, he'd have better sense to go and have adultery with a woman to cost his child's life. But it didn't stop him. See, I'm learning a lot about David. I'm learning a lot about us. But I'm also learning a lot about God. I don't think Larry will mind I hope you won't, Brother Larry. We were at the prayer breakfast yesterday. And I know I'm paraphrasing, but Brother Larry just wanted to give a little testimony. And, and he said, you know, gentlemen, I hope you don't mind. Do you mind me sharing this? And he said, look, I just want you to know, I, 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 I don't think he used these words, but you failed the Lord. And, and uh, he said, you know, a lot of times when you do that, you have to, the hardest thing is to forgive yourself. And that's so true. But when he made that statement, I thought, well, I'm going to tell you right now, boys, it ain't what you think. I was sitting there in mind thinking, now, well, you boys don't, if y'all think it was some heinous sin, it ain't what you think. But I knew, Brother Larry, I said, if he happens to share it with us, it's going to be a very sensitive thing. And he basically said he got upset with someone at Walmart. And I'm going to be honest with you, the way he got upset made my upset look like a little... Kindergarten class upset. But he was sensitive to the Lord. He was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And he realized it was his testimony at stake. His testimony. And I, I'm sitting here. And then I think someone said, well, that wasn't that bad. I, I've said worse. So I want everybody to know the sensitivity of us sinning against the Lord ought to be like that. Most men would say, oh, that ain't no big deal. No, it's a big deal. Because he is right. Our testimony is huge. And basically all it was is he had read a sign wrong. And he purchased something and he said, y'all charge me too much. She said, no, sir, you've read the sign wrong. He says, no, and I think you said, Brother Larry, somebody here needs to fix these signs. And I thought, dear God, string me up now. I mean, Lord, you talking about conviction. There was a holy hush in that room yesterday. Dear God, to think that someone was so in tune with the Lord and be so convicted because he said something. To wish to God all of us was like that. Be so sensitive and tender to the Lord to realize if we failed, yes, it's failing the Lord. But he realized his action. Boy, I'm so thankful we have a God. Boy, he just keeps on loving us, don't he? And I say all that to say this. I'm going to tell you right now, it is hard to forgive ourselves. The devil loves to bring it up. So do people. But we need to look at it the way God looks at it. And God help us. David responded right. And God basically said, get on with it, boy. 
And boy, he cared about his mom and dad. And by the way, I want to tell you something right now. When you're in the right place with the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you right now, you are going to care about the people that God has in your life. You're not going to be selfish. And I believe this little tidbit of information is just another sign God saying he's coming up. Yeah, he was that wild man there at Gath, but he's coming up. Families encouraged him. They were spiritual with him. Hey, he's got a band of people now that he's got to be an example to. And I, I, I trust him enough. I'm going to put some confidence in him. I'm going to give him a band of hoodlums to help change uh, Israel. And then now he's worried about his parents. And this was not the same David a little while ago because he let 85 priests die, basically, and didn't care. But now he's concerned about his parents. And then I want to just close with this. I think this is powerful. You know another reason why I believe God gave this little bit of information that we know that he's on his way up from the bottom? Notice the verse 5. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart and get thee unto the land of Judah. Then David departed and came to the force of Herod. Now that shocks me because I'm used to people arguing with you. It's quiet. Oh, I know that, but you know, another reason why I believe I know he's coming up from the bottom, because he listened to those that God had put in his life, especially particular people that have wise and spiritual counsel. And by the way, I believe you will too. I believe I will too. Look, David was going to stay in this stronghold for a long time. How do we know that? Because he just said, I'm going to send my parents over there. I'm going to hang around and see what the Lord's going to do for me. This thing's too dangerous. I care about my parents. I'm going to get them out of here. So he was planning on staying an indefinite time. So it wasn't like he was trying to consider, should I leave or not? No, the nosy prophet just came up and said, you need to get up out of here. I'm going to tell you what, we'll listen to good counsel. In the multitude of counsel, there's what? Safety. Now, I want to help everybody here. I don't have all the answers to your problems. I can promise you that. I don't have the will of God particularly for your life. I was sitting and talking with someone the other day, and I said, look, I do not know the detailed particulars of God's will for your life. I don't. I don't. And let me make another point. Me as the pastor has no business, nor do I have any desire to get in between your husband and your home. Your husband is the leader of your home. Period. What you do there is you and your husband, your home. That's y'all's business between you and the Lord. I've never tried to usurp a, a, a father or a, or a husband's role. By the way, I've seen that take place. By the way, uh, I think we've taken some of this stuff too far. I, I, you know, uh, I appreciate if you come and let me know things, but I don't know everything in the world. Like, I've never tried to set up something here like, well, before you date somebody, I got to meet that guy. I think your father needs to meet him. Uh, I've seen that out. Well, you ain't going to do anything. Well, wait a minute. You just usurped the thing. The dad knows her better than you do. Now, I'm going to be honest, I think it's wise if your pastor knows you and knows, you know, and has confidence, you ought, to have, you ought to come and at least talk to him about it. It ain't going to hurt you. By the way, if your pastor has a red flag about something, he might just say, hey, he has a red flag. But that don't mean that he knows all the answers about it. 
But I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to tell you something right now. If we are coming up from the bottom, up from the bottom, we will listen to those that God has put in our life, and in particular people that have earned it. Can I help every child here just a second? I want every child to look at me. I want every grandchild to look at me. I want every teenager to look at me. Your parents has earned the right for you to listen to them. They've earned the right for you to listen to them. There's nobody on this planet that loves you more until you get married than your parents. Now they might not have all the answers, but it at least ought to make you pause and think. I've learned something. The older I've gotten, I've realized these two folks right here, they're not that crazy. Even though my mom is a blonde, and all my life I heard, oh, your mom's a blonde. She's a smart blonde. I'm going to tell you all right now, and I think Kim can bow. There wasn't a thing we could get by with in Hinton without her knowing it. I skipped school one day and went underneath the bridge, and I mean, when I got home, mom already knew it. She ain't never get, well, I think she did tell me. She seen me. But I'm just going to say, and I'm talking to teenagers and children here, and if you're just a child, you say, oh, Pastor, I I have no problem. Well, listen to me. When you hit them teen years, something happens to you. When you hit them teen years, here's what you think. You think they're more crazy than they've ever been. But I want to help everybody here before you get a teenage. Look, you need to just not get your britches so big. You need to listen to your parents. Somebody say amen. I guarantee you, how many of you, can I ask you a question? How many of you, would you raise your hand, you're older now and say, boy, I wish I'd have listened to my parents more. Would you raise your hand? Now look at that. Child, children, can all these people be wrong? Can they all be wrong? And you know what? I'm going to preach this message tonight, and there's going to be children that's going to grow up in this church, and they're going to go exactly the opposite of what their parents tell them. That's going to be the statistics of the day. But I'm just trying, I'm hoping to God. God, please help us here tonight. Please, God, help us. Help us at the camp. It don't have to be that way for y'all. You can, listen, if your parents are in this church tonight, they might not be perfect, but I'm going to tell you right now, you ought to thank God they got you here. And you ought to start listening to them. And by the way, I wouldn't go to school and talk about how crazy my parents are either. I'd tell them how good your parents are for making you come to church. Because when you get older, you'll think different. I promise. But you'll listen to those that God has put in your life, in particular wise and spiritual counsel. Now again, I'm going to close. But we see a trademark here with David. Something that we haven't seen for a couple of chapters. He's starting to list the authority in his life again. There's something to that. And another thing that I see that it's a trademark of David that we've lost for a couple of chapters. He starts to behave himself wisely. We're going to find that here in just a few minutes because he's got to make some decisions. And before he makes one decision, he prays three times. 
That's the one over here in chapter 23. One of the ways I know that David was on his way up, his whole spirit had changed. His attitude had changed. Y'all ready? He's ready to listen. And you say, Pastor, that's not that big of a deal. It's a huge deal. I've been in this thing 26 years. Please, I bet you I can ask most of you men. But I do believe as people that are called to be pastors, the Bible uses the word seer. They see things. And, I, 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 and I'm not, I, 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 please don't misunderstand me because I miss a lot too. But there are times that I have watched young people's spirit and attitude and listen to me. And you've done it too. You can see the trouble coming before it ever gets there. Because of their spirit and their attitude towards authority and towards the goodness of God. And they won't listen to nary a thing. And they think they've got all the answers. I want to say to you, you're in a bad place if you're there. I don't know how much Gad knew David. But I'm going to tell you right now, Gad had enough boldness to come up to David and say, Look, you need to get up out of here. And here's what's amazing. The Bible does not reveal that he combated Gad at all. Here's what he said. And he got up and departed. How many of y'all believe God has the best for you? Sometimes. It's in the pathways that we won't choose for our children. And it's certainly not a path that we would choose for ourselves. But God knows the way. Let's trust him. Amen. And God gives people in our lives that have earned for us to listen to them. Doesn't mean we're going to do what they say. But at least. And it might mean that you do. David did. But it will at least. You will at least be have a spirit. That you're ready to hear. Why do you think God revealed that little tidbit. Right here in this, these first five verses. Because I believe David no doubt had been in the bottom. He's on his way up. In chapter 23, we see some amazing things. And as we continue to read the life of David, there's going to be, hey, it's a roller coaster of a life just like ours. But I'm thankful to know that these little principles are for our learning and for our admonition. Let's learn and let's be admonished. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. We're going to have prayer here in a minute. I'm going to ask you to come around this altar. But before we do that, can I just ask this with uplifted hand? How many of you thank God? Can I ask this question tonight? How many of you thank God that you have a God that doesn't throw the clay away? How many of you tonight? We want to have the principles here. Be the right kind of family member. Take care of the people that God's entrusted to us. Listen to godly counsel. 
These are all signs of being used of God. Amen. With head bowed and eyes closed, just how many of you just you thank the Lord tonight with the uplifting of your hand? God spoke to you some way tonight. Would you just raise your hand? Amen. Let God have his way. Now, we're going to close in prayer tonight. I'm going to ask, um, let's have, and I know we could have the children come up, but let's just have everybody. Maybe we have the children come up with their families, however you're led to do it. If you're not comfortable getting down, that's fine. I've learned this too. The older you get, it's sometimes harder to get up. But um, let's come around this altar tonight and as a church, and let's just bathe this camp in prayer Let's pray for all the workers. Pray for Brother David Ballinger. He'll be speaking. Pray for these crown students. Pray for Brother Daniel and Sister Edgy. All the workers. Kaylee's going to be staying the night. Peggy's going to be staying the night uh, with the girls. This young lady's going to be staying the night. And uh, we got folks working in the kitchen. Colleagues are going to be up there. We're going to have a lot of folks up there working with the camp. Let's just really pray that God will work in the hearts of these children. Work in the hearts of these children. Amen. Brother Jim Beeler, would you come up and lead us in prayer? Lord, tonight we come to you thanking you for the opportunity that we as a church family can pray together. And Lord, tonight we have a, a, one main prayer request that we have is our camp starting tomorrow. And Lord, I, I know personally I've talked to a, a lot of the boys and girls in KFC about coming to camp and, and how much fun that they're going to have. But Lord, it's more than just the fun. They're going to be away from so much other stuff that they have to deal with from their neighbors, their home situation, some of their friends, and everything will be spiritual. They'll be able to listen to the Word twice a day, have godly influences on them. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be with um, each child that comes. And Lord, I pray that their hearts will be open and they'll be receptive to what they, what they hear and Lord, what they see. And Lord, we know what they see is going to be important. And so with that, Lord, I pray for each worker up there, from the ones that are working in the kitchen that's going to be passing out food, their attitudes, their their demeanor that they have on their faces. Lord, I pray that they'll be right. I pray for the counselors, the people that will be staying with the, the um, boys and girls as they're in um, their, their dorms. Lord, I pray that they'll have the right attitude and the, and the wisdom that they need in dealing with some of these boys and girls. Then, Lord, those that are going to be working with them in in their game times. I pray that patience will be there. And I pray that you give them wisdom. But Lord, 
most of all, I pray that you'll work in hearts. Help the um, speaker as he brings the, the messages in the morning and then at night. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with him and give him the words that would be exactly right for what the children need. Lord, I know that many of the children will be away from mom and dad now for maybe the first time. And so, Lord, I, I pray for the moms and dads. I pray that you give them peace knowing that they're in good hands. Lord, I, I know I can remember a few things when I was at camp. And Lord, I, I do remember after a meal we had to go back and just spend some quiet time. And Lord, that was, that was powerful. Because I, I do remember that we even had a book that we were writing down things in. And Lord, I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to go to camp. And so Lord, I'm thankful for the boys and girls here at our church and, and ones that um, come on our buses that will be going and, and other people. I pray that you'd be with each boy and girl and have their hearts open. Be with all the leaders now. And Lord, at the end of the week, we pray that we'll see some boys and girls saved. Which would be very exciting. Lord, because that's what it's all about. We're thankful for those that have given money to help support the camp. And for the workers that are going to be there for the edges as they're kind of heading everything up here, I pray that you would bless them. Now, Lord, tonight as we leave, I pray that you would um, keep us safe. And then in the morning, when the boys and girls come, I pray that everything will run smoothly. We want to say now we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless.